Welcome to the Meditation Conversation. You are listening to Karan Alessandra. Welcome back everyone from the summer break. It's good to be back online and today we have a guest with us. It's Gita Matlock from She's uh, connecting with us from Ananda Village in California. And Cara, can you tell us a little bit more about her? Right. So we're so honored that she will be here with us today. We had a couple of reasons for wanting to bring her on. Um, she is a, a magnetic and sparkling person you will soon see or hear. Um, and she has a really interesting perspective because she grew up in a spiritual community. And we'll talk about what that means um, to start with. But she she was born into this community and then um, is now raising a family in this community. And she's had some transitions along the way which um, I think are really interesting for everybody. And she's the parent of a three- and five-year-old and is still keeping meditation front and center in her life, which I always am drawn to people doing that because I am trying. I have a, an 11-year-old and a nine-year-old. No, 12-year-old. Oh, my goodness. Hayden had his birthday <laughs> two weeks ago. Um, and so I also try to keep meditation front and center. And I know Alessandra with her two-year-old is doing that too. But you kind of just keep wanting to hear, like, can I be doing that better? <laughs> is there an easier way? Tell us. How are you doing that? So... Mm. But we usually start off by asking our guests how meditation came into their lives. And now we know you were born into a family where meditation is part of everyday life. And because of our listeners probably don't know much about Ananda or what a spiritual community is, can you start off there and give us a bit of background? Thank you. It's a real pleasure to be here with the both of you and all of you listening today and an honor as well for me. So Ananda celebrated this year its 50th anniversary. It was founded in 1969 by Swami Kriyananda and it's a community of people who are dedicated to support each other in their daily practice of meditation. So it's a very... Um, I mean, it, its central purpose is to help us put our spiritual practices and our spiritual lives at the center of everything that we do and then take that into our work and our family and our interactions and friendship and to, you know, to have an environment that truly supports that, which can be, um, it can be very difficult when you don't have that sort of um, support, which I'll get into later in my years outside of Ananda Village. But the community itself is that they house a little over 200 people, some families with children, some, you know, single people, monks, nuns, every sort of person you can find here at Ananda Village. And it's really the spiritual community is intended to be a place where um, it's not the kind of community where everybody throws their resources in a pot and has nothing of their own. It's actually meant more to uh, stimulate individuals' creativity 
So people pay their own rent and have their own jobs and live their lives very close to you do you, you would in any small town, except that you're surrounded by yogis in every aspect of what you're doing. So the intention is to not totally um, disrupt your lifestyle, but instead to reorient it toward your spiritual growth as its central purpose. And um, I was born here in 1981. So um, the community actually had a very dramatic experience in 1976, so five years before my birth, which was a fire came through and burnt all but a few buildings to the ground. Mm. And that was actually a deeply, um, um, what's the galvanizing experience for the community. It really set the tone for how we live our lives here. Because as soon as this fire came through, Swami Kriyananda, the founder of Ananda, brought the community together and they made some really important decisions that affect everything that we do today. The first was they were not going to sue Nevada County where we live, which was the, uh, they started the fire as an, by accident. So they chose, we chose not to sue. So the first step was, um, you know, we're going to adhere to Dharma. We are not going to take advantage of other people. We're going to learn how to take care of things ourselves. Then the second was um, we need to rebuild, but the people who feel to leave at this point are leaving with nothing. So what little we have, we will give to them for them to go start their lives anew. And those of us here, we have each other, and we're going to be grateful for that, and we're going to get creative on how to raise these resources and build these buildings together. And those two decisions really set the tone for Ananda Village and its growth and the Ananda, which is now like a worldwide movement. There are eight residential communities, but hundreds of meditation groups and thousands more people studying these practices of meditation and yoga taught by Paramahansa Yogananda around the world. So, the idea is we give to others, we, you know, we adhere to what is dharmic. Dharmic and we, meaning right action. Ah, just to Right action. Clarify. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> just Thank in case you. it's yes. an unfamiliar word. Yeah. Yes. That <laughs> is really an important, you. no, that's an important definition. And that we work together to raise our energy and to make possible this life that we want to co-create. That's beautiful. So that, yeah. Go ahead. So how, how did that being just landing in that environment and it's all you knew, um, tell us about growing up like that and, and how meditation was part of your life as a child. And because that for me is a, you know, meditation was not something I really even heard about until, adulthood, I'd say. I was born in 78. So, you know, same sort of age, but very different upbringings, I imagine. Yes. Well, it's, I mean, I don't want to over romanticize, but I really can't imagine a better childhood for anyone, which is why I'm giving it to my children. Mm -hmm. Um, 
really there's 200 yogis who are doing their best to be their highest self as much as they possibly can. And they love you and you as a child feel that love and that, and that friendship really from every place, every corner. I was reflecting very recently with my brother who of course grew up here as well, that one thing I had never put together was that I needed no filter as a child. There was nothing in my environment that I needed to learn to tune out in order to be a child. So there was no crazy parties. There was no loud music. There was no um, billboards and mm-hmm. commercial advertisements. There, you know, th- there was no like super crazy music in the, in the grocery store experience. Mm-hmm. So, th- and there were no adults behaving badly yeah. that I needed to um, tune out. So as a child, you get to really be fully yourself and fully engaged in the innocence of being a child. So we could run everywhere on the property safely. Everybody was our, is our friend. You're very safe. You're very supported. And your imagination is allowed to be free. They're really, I mean, the yoga, when you study the path of yoga, you learn that there's actually quite a bit of magic, mm. really, mm-hmm. behind, you know, a lot of what folklore and fairies and stories of, of magical creatures that children love are, have some interesting grounding in yogic philosophy. Mm-hmm. So even that, you know, even the imagination of a child is totally unfettered in this environment because nobody's saying, no, fairies don't exist. Mm-hmm. Nobody's saying they're, you know, unicorns never happened. Because right there in yoga philosophy, it's if Anything you can imagine. Possible. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> if you can imagine it, it exists somewhere in the universe. Yeah. It just sounds so beautiful. Like what a dream yeah. to grow up like that. Really? Yeah. But yeah. it's maybe we're jumping ahead a little bit. But, you know, I'm so curious to know because I only know the opposite. I mean, I've been growing up out in the world and I've coming to Ananda. I haven't been to the village yet, but to Assisi. And it was like, wow, you just feel the peace and the vibrations. And I mean, then I wonder what was it like to have the opposite, you know, growing up in those magical, wonderful, peaceful vibrations and then coming out to face the world? Mm-hmm. Well, it it's interesting because I would say it would be different for every person individual child. Mm -hmm. So I have many friends. I'm still very close with the friends that I grew up with here. And many of them went on to live lives in other places. And this particular path really wasn't theirs, but it, it gave them a lot to take into their life. And for me, that transition um, was fine because I love people. And so I became quickly fascinated by the myriad of other things that were happening in the world. And so I can is get this into th- when you went to university. Yeah. Sorry. 
Oh, no, actually in high school more. Although, you know, we left, we didn't only live in Ananda Village and never leave. <laughs> well, of course, yes. But I suppose when you're, you know, college, for instance, is a, is a yeah. huge transition for so many people when you do go away. For, so for the, for the first time, right. you're living really as an adult. Um, in general, that's a little jarring for, for young people. Right. It was for me, you know, I was like, oh, I'm, <laughs> the world is my oyster, I guess. You know, what am I going to do with myself? And, mm-hmm. um, but I, you know, was going from a secular society to another secular society, albeit a much more liberal one when I went to college. But um, so for you, were you living in the village until you went, because you went to Pepperdine and uh-huh. uh, in beautiful Malibu, California, which, as I wrote to you, I was so happy for you that you did that because that was my dream school, and it was a little out of my reach in uh, my my humble little Midwestern um, <laughs> existence yeah. at that time. But it was on my radar. I just didn't realize until the time was getting closer that it was uh, – quite a dream for me, (laughs) but, um, so you, was that the first time when you went to college that you kind of went from that spiritually centered environment to a more secular environment from a lifestyle perspective? Actually, it was high school for me because at the time Ananda Village did not have a high school. Oh, and so they do now. Um, but so I would, go into Nevada City to public high school. And that was definitely the period of the biggest jar, like Mm. jarring experience, because I, for the very first time, saw racism, I saw sexism, I saw, you know, such, so much self-interest. But what's, I was also um, going through puberty, So I had a lot of judgment happening about anyone who had anything related, you know, like any of those kind of beliefs. But I also had a lot of um, self-experimenting and rejection of what I was, what I had been grown up in. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, rebellion. So I, it wasn't, you know, that's like the time for that for some people. And that was it for me. Yeah was that period. So, well, because that's what's so interesting is like when you get to that age, you need something to sort of rub up against because Mm. that is so human nature to say, all right, I've got to spread my wings. And so what direction am I going to grow into? And Mm. usually it's sort of an opposite direction to what you have been surrounded by. You know, you kind of have to, it's, it's so, it's just part of development, you know? So it's it's a very healthy part. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. So what was interesting that it, you know, in a way I wish it had happened in college only because the contrast of being in rebellion and coming home to sleep in your house at Ananda Village is a big contrast. I imagine. imagine. Yeah. You know, (laughs) I was smoking cigarettes and trying, you know, drugs and alcohol and being a teenager. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm, um, I'm not one to be, um, afraid of much. Okay. (laughs) So I was, I I was definitely trying. 
yeah. <laughs> <laughs> trying things. And I hope my kids have that experience in college instead of in high school. So I don't have to deal with it. But, <laughs> but you know, I, yogis are calm and they can handle anything. But the, the contrast vibrationally between what I was going through and where I lived was pretty strong. Mm. Um, but it didn't last long. And, you know, no, I, nobody, uh, n- there was no judgment that lingered from that, from my friends here at Ananda Village. Everyone expects that of a teenager. <laughs> okay, that's cute. That's, I was that's just really gonna say beautiful. That. I could imagine, I mean, only from the people I met that, you know, in a way, it's also the best place to be a rebellion because, you know, people won't judge you and, you know. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Just, okay, she's, she has to go through this phase and... Yeah, absolutely. In fact, it's funny because when you come here and you see all these people that have made like very healthy life choices at this point, and they're living very um, calm, uplifted lives. And sometimes you get the perception that um, they might be living from the outside in and they might be not genuine, authentic in this, you know, when you're getting critical. And then you talk to anybody truly from here about what they're experiencing and it's more than authentic i mean it's it's everything of them but also you don't really become a yogi living in spiritual community unless you are a rebel <laughs> well that's a great point yeah because so you in one sense you you think wow it's so homogeneous everyone is you know really adhering to similar practices and daily life and activities, gosh, you know, maybe they're all just group think, but then you talk to anyone and they're all rebels. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's so true. I hadn't really thought about that, but you have Makes to go sense. against convention to even get to the point where you're living in a spiritual community because it's, it's especially in 1976, if that's when you're, if your parents were there for the fire, um, you know, that was brand new. They only, Oh, they only began in 69. So, um, you know, there's not a lot of precedent in the West, you know, for that Mm -hmm. anyway. So, so unconventional and yeah, I hadn't really thought about that. Yeah. It's very inspiring to hear all the stories of the people that started Ananda. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, if you haven't yet read Asha's book, her new book, um, The Light Bearer, it's incredible. Have you read it yet? I I think you haven't. No, I just finished Ask Asha a few weeks Ah, ago, which was really beautiful. But uh, no, I don't have that one yet. Okay, The Light Bearer. Yeah, it's her Mm. new book, and it goes year by year of of Swami Kriyananda's life. Mm. And you get everything you ever wanted to know about the founding of Ananda and the creativity involved and the challenges. And it's just really awesome. Mm. Okay, good. (laughs) Thank you. Mm -hmm. So to come back a little bit to the subject of meditation, like, so when did you actually like, obviously you had meditation around you all the time, but when did you really commit to meditation? Because there's a difference of knowing, oh, I have to do this or I want to do this. Mm-hmm. Totally. Well, just to say it, I certainly learned meditation at my Living Wisdom School and by example in my home. But uh, And we had some rituals with meditation that I always really loved. 
but it you you put it well. There was all my life meditation was something that I loved and did when I felt like doing it. But to transition from that into a committed daily practice was actually quite a long road for me. I remember saying to my family, you know, my life is so easy. I wish it were harder because I probably would want to meditate more. (laughs) (laughs) It was like, wow, am I... (laughs) Very evolved thinking, though, you know, like what's going to prompt me? (laughs) I have to I have to need it. And I had a very easy, a very blessed, easy life. And I recognized that in my 20s, I had taken discipleship to um, Paramahansa Yogananda. I um, was moving towards uh, receiving Kriya initiation and Part of that practice, which is a meditation practice, is a commitment to practice daily. And I knew I was going to have a hard time with that because I didn't, I just didn't feel that motivator. And I, when I articulated that to my parents at one point in my twenties, they just shook their heads and they were like, don't say it because the divine mother is going to give it to you. (laughs) And she did. So um, the movement into like a fully committed daily practice really happened when I hit my first life bump. Find out more about Gita's journey with meditation in part two of this episode. 